Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. This is the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by MasterCard. On this week's episode, New South Wales all-rounder Moses Henriquez joins us to recap the Australian Cricket Awards, wrap up the KFC Big Bash League, and look ahead to the second half of the Marsh Sheffield Shield competition. But before we do that, the Australian women's cricket team will take on India in the Combank Tri-Series final tomorrow, Wednesday, February 12th. The Aussies had to beat England to make the final after a rocky round-robin stage. They did that. The game will be at Junction Oval and kicks off at 1.40pm local time and can be watched on Channel 7 and Fox Cricket, live-streamed on KO Sports and can be heard on ABC Grandstand Radio. Okay, up next, it's Moses Henriquez. Oh, oh he's in the mood. Moses he is. is in the mood tonight. Moses Henriquez, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Sammy. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Uh, we've got to start with our MasterCard moment of the week. What was your MasterCard moment? I think it's gonna hard to be go past that. I mean, the weather on that Saturday night, that famous Saturday evening, that just... That just held out for that big bash final. What an event that was. What do you reckon, Sammy? That was pretty good. That was pretty We're going to get on, touch on that a little bit later on, the weather and the ground stuff there at the SCG. But uh, BBL final, winning that in the 12-over game against the Stars, your moment? Definitely the MasterCard moment. But I think... Good plug. I think the, um, you know, the, the conjecture leading into the game, the, the preparation, um, everything like that. The, uh, it's a shame that the... The ground wasn't, you know, some some fans didn't come out and, um, you know, it wasn't the beautiful weather that we'd all hoped for. But the fact that we were still able to get on um, and, and earn the trophy the hard way was is definitely much more satisfying. Okay. My MasterCard moment uh, was the game that was supposed to be at the same day but oh, got moved due to the weather. Come on. The big appeal. What have you got against the Sixers, Sammy? I've got nothing against the Sixers. <laughs> I'm impartial. But you've taken them, so I've got to go something yeah, different. Fair uh, enough, fair enough. The big appeal down there at Junction Oval was the three games, the Women's T20, the BBL final, and um, that Legends charity bushfire cricket bash match was just sensational. Over uh, close to $8 million raised over the weekend. Fantastic uh, to see some of the greats of the game back out there yeah. playing, including Brian Lara, who... Mate, what about that shot over cover? It looks like he'd go and play a game at uh, Trinidad right now. <laughs> yeah. I think he might have been in the off-season. He's, he, he's doing pretty well. I think he hits the golf course yeah, pretty okay. hard these days. So yeah. there was a golf swing in there, yeah. a few or two. But uh, fantastic initiative. Uh, lots of hard work done behind the scenes to get that game up and about. Uh, and even though they delayed it 24 hours, some players couldn't be there. Shane Warren was spewing. Yeah. Couldn't figure out to get that private plane. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, a, a fantastic achievement by CA and everyone involved to raise money for good cause yeah fantastic and you know it was so good to see a lot of those legends get back on the cricket field and you definitely notice even in their technique and how they play it's like riding a bike for them you know all those hours of hard work throughout their first you know 40 years of their careers um even when they get back without picking up a bat for five six ten years who you know some of them and 
they're just you know the technique's still there they're just flawless so you know even punter looked amazing with the bat in his hand um and as you said just to be able to raise that much money for such a for such a great cause and you know we all know how much devastation the, the bushfires caused um so to to be able to raise money to to make things a little bit easier for some families i think is a really important thing how about Brett Lee steaming in? Everyone's bowling 100Ks an hour. He's coming off the long run to Adam Gilchrist. Exactly, mate. As I said, just like riding a bike for Binger. I reckon if he really put his mind to it, could he get to 150 again? I, you know, he's still looking so fit. He's looking healthy. Um, he still looks like he's 35. Um, I actually said to him, I th- it might have been last year, if he had any any da- any chance of coming back and bowling some death overs for the Sixers. Um, <laughs> you know, he still looks in really good condition. So I wouldn't be surprised if he could still bowl at least over 140. Okay, the Australian Cricket Awards were held on Monday night. Uh, Cricket's Night of Nights down there in Melbourne. Uh, the two big winners, uh, David Warner won his third Allen Border medal by one vote over Steve Smith. Um, been a fairly um, interesting 12 months for Dave Warner coming back from the ban, playing in the World Cup, having an unfortunate ashes and then coming back to on Australian soil and um, bashing the, the Pakistan and yeah. Kiwi bowls to pillar and post. Um, what have you made of, of that 12 months and, and uh, the recognition he got on Monday night? Yeah, I think, you know, it is recognition and it's important recognition from, you know, obviously from your peers to be voted by your peers. Um, it's very nice and you know both of them as you said by one vote over Steve Smith those guys you know that after that year out of the game um, couldn't be happier for both of them obviously I've played a lot of cricket with both of them in the past to see them both come back to international cricket and play like they have and dominate for Australia um, and like you know obviously contribute heavily to Australia having a really good sort of last 12 months um, you know, it's such a good thing for Australian cricket and it's so good to see them smiling and see them enjoying their cricket again. Um, you know, and it, you don't play cricket for the awards, but it is nice recognition and I'm sure Dave will go home, um, you know, very happy that, you know, he, he f- that his teammates voted him, you know, the Allen Border medalist um, and he was able to perform consistently over, you know, over a season in all three different formats as well. Um, and as you mentioned just the way that he, he rode, the high, rode the highs and lows and he was able to bounce back from the lows and, you know, the, it, it's been a very um, roller coaster sort of 24 months for him and, you know, to be able to still come out and perform so well um, at different times throughout that is just, you know, I, I, so much respect for the resilience of being able to do that. They've still got the leadership ban over them. Uh, so while they're not official leaders in the team, they still have a say as senior players. Um, but I get the sense looking at them that maybe they, they're playing and being a bit more free without having that, that burden on them. You know, it's, it feels like Steve Smith in particular looks like he's enjoying his cricket a lot more. I mean, he's still scoring lots of runs, but he doesn't have the, the rigours of being a captain. Um, do you get that sense? Yeah, look, uh, it's an interesting one because I've always um, felt, and you'd probably have to speak to Steve and Dave to, to get an idea but sometimes when you take the captaincy away from someone um, they actually get more of an opportunity to lead because you don't have to get caught up in you know the politics of selecting teams and um, what's the backroom stuff what's going on at administration or board level you don't have to get involved with any of that um, and you can just worry about being the best person you can be and use those leadership qualities that they obviously have already um, which is why they were regarded as captain and vice captain 
before that incident um, and now they can use all those skills and as well use the skills that they've learnt from that setback um, and from what they went through and to just be a part of that team um, you've got the captain and vice captain in Paney and and Camo but then to have those two guys who are obvious leaders um, you know whether you've got a captain or vice captain next to your name doesn't change away from the person you are and the personality you are. So um, it actually, it's, it's like having a cricket team all of a sudden with four or five outstanding leaders. And then once you chuck, you know, Mitchell Stark, uh, Josh Hayeswood, um, you know, Nathan Lyon, you know, even guys like Marnus coming in now, Wadey, um, I think is a very good leader. And then you've got Travis Head as well, who also leads... Um, you know his own state and BBL teams when he's around. So there's a lot of strong leaders in their own right in that team, um, and I'm not surprised at all to see you know the success that that international Australian Test Test cricket team has had. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Steve's ban lifts. I think it's at the end of March. Which way they go with the captaincy? I mean, I don't see Tim Payne retiring anytime soon. He's doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, why would you? I think, and from what I can gather, a lot of the players really enjoy playing under his leadership as well. Um, you know, I've always got along really well with Tim. He's a he's a really personable person. Um, he can. It, it, he's very easy to talk to. He's very easy to relate to, um, and obviously, he's still a fantastic cricketer, fantastic wicketkeeper. So it's good to see. Um, it, it's good to see them having success, and maybe in in a slightly different way to what we've expected Australian leaders to be in the past. But you know, you don't have to. You, you don't have to play cricket the way we always play we've shown this summer that you can still have great success by you know playing the game the right way and um you know i've really enjoyed the way that he's handled himself in the media as well and the way that he speaks about the cricket team and um i think the focus on development and improvement constantly um is a really strong one as well even despite winning games and being successful that that sort of continuous focus of trying to be a better person and a better cricketer i think is a really important one he just needs to work on his DRS. <laughs> I think, you na- can you name me a captain that doesn't? <laughs> no, that's a good point. I think Joe Root's not that bad actually, oh, okay. but even he is below 50%. Yeah. So we've gone on a bit of a tangent there. The other uh, big winner at the Australian Cricket Awards was Elise Perry, her third Belinda Clark medal. Um, she edged out Alyssa Healy by just eight votes. Um, she's the 2019 ICC Player of the Year. Moses, you've seen her develop. What makes Elise Perry so good? Oh, I mean, it's really hard to actually bring it down to just one thing um i think she's a you know she's a she's a three-phase cricketer like she bowls she bats she fields so she, for a start she's never out of the game she's always in the game she's good she's not just a bits and pieces she's not a little bit of a batter or a little bit of a bowler she's you know one of the best batters in the team she's one of the best bowlers in the team one of the best athletes in the team one of the best fielders in the team so you just never she's just never out of the game she's always got an opportunity to change the direction of the game um which you know i think's a really unique quality um, in in cricketers, and and you know we we kind of see it with you know with Glenn Maxwell at a T Twenty level, he can come in and sort of put a step put a stamp on the game with bat, ball, and field, and you know at least does that in all three formats for for the Australian cr- women's cricket team. So um, you know you definitely no surprises there to see her take out um, you know the Belinda Clark medal um, and to see her continuing to succeed and do well at international standard. 
And by the sounds of it, she mentioned her, her coaches on, on stage last night that uh, she gets a lot of balls thrown at her, a bit like Steve Smith. What's the, is this the key to success, just face a million deliveries? <laughs> well, I think, I think if you ask David, he'd be almost the opposite. But, I mean, it is, Steve is very similar and I, I've, I can vouch for Elise there. I've seen her many times when I've come in to hit balls. She's... She's tiring away in the nets, hitting more balls than anyone else. Um, and I think not just her coaches, but I even think she gets her dad to throw her some yeah. balls as well in the nets. And, um, you know, just to see, you know, the continuous sacrifices by, you know, by you know, have such a supportive, you know, person in your corner like that, that you can rely on. I'm sure she's very grateful for. And, I mean, what a supporter of her cricket as well. So he must be very proud, um, Mr Perry, to see that sort of success as well. Um, but you know, and the most amazing thing is, is she's just a. I think she's just a wonderful ambassador for cricket and for elite sports people. Um, you know, the, you know the way she speaks about, uh, I guess, her role as you know, as an elite sportswoman um, and as a role model as well. Um, she's just so humble and takes it all in her stride, which I think is just so important for for sports people, especially in this modern day. Crazy thing is she's only 29. Yeah. Took a lot of yeah, cricket left. I remember um, watching her bat in Coffs Harbour during the Ashes series a couple of years ago and the training session had finished but she went in for another net and they played this game. They said, you've got 10 balls but every time you hit a four, you get four more balls. So they felt easy. They had the wanger going. Get a few nicks, it'll be fine. Get out, you lose two balls. Yeah, this will okay. be done quickly. Well, they're there for about half an hour because every go. time she got a couple of balls left, she just hit a four. Oh. So they had to had to pull it. Said no, that's it. We're done. Wow. Yeah, it's quite a talent. Moses for everything on the Australian Cricket Awards, including all the winners and the red carpet glitz and glamour. You can visit cricket.com.au and the CLR app for all that info. Okay, BBL final. First of all, congrats, Moses. Thank Champions. You. Yeah. Second of all, can you believe they actually got on? Yeah, I know. Um, I think. <laughs> You know, in the back of your head, I was always expecting... Well, in the back of my head, I was always expecting to play. Um, yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was, I was kind of... You know, it, it wouldn't have been the worst result for our cricket <laughs> team and for the club to, to win a premiership without having to step onto the field. But I'm, I'm so glad that, um, you know, the clouds opened up for us and were able to get a, a game in because it, it, it is the best thing for cricket and it was the right thing for the BBL to for that game to go ahead um it would have been a shame if there was no final played at the end of such a such a big and and long season i think but the two right teams were in the final um you know at at the end of that 14 game season there was only one point that split us and we won all a, a, a piece through the regular season um and then you know i think for us to knock them over in melbourne was a was a huge victory for us and to know that you know, I felt we were probably 20 runs short in that game, but to still be able to knock them over knowing that we probably hadn't played our best cricket was a big, you know, um, confidence boost for all of our players to know that, you know, no matter no matter where we are halfway through a game or, you know, three quarters of the way through a game to just keep going, keep fighting, keep remembering that you can win a game of cricket from anywhere. So, um, and... It, and against probably the best or one of the best teams in the comp or the other best team in the comp, I should say, um, to, to know that you, you, how much that fight and calmness in the, in the face of pressure can just you know, keep you in the game for longer and longer. Was there a turning point in the match as captain in the fielding side? Which was the biggest sigh of relief, seeing the back of Stoinis 
was seeing the back of Maxwell, who said that he got out to the only ball that Steve O'Keefe spun all year. Um, well, I think uh, us, I think initially seeing the back of Stoinis after that, uh, you know, he took Lino for ten runs. Uh, he went dot four six, um, and then it was kind of like, oh, have I made the right decision here um, by bringing Nathan on um, in that first over? We had a plan. Um, and then to see him get out that n- the next ball, um, you know, it was like, okay, it's all okay. Yeah, <laughs> it was the right decision, all good. Um, and to be honest, I was quite surprised Maxie walked in next. Um, and I was also quite happy because I knew we still had a pretty new ball. Um, and it gave us, you know, the very best chance over the next sort of six to seven, seven overs to, to dismiss him um, as well. Um, and I always, I, I kind of felt it once we got Maxi out, he, who can obviously chase, you know, 12, 13, 14 runs and over um, and win a game from anywhere. It, it just, when you get the, the other team's captain out and someone in such good form and someone who's um, ch- like chased so many good scores in the past, um, it just seems to apply a lot of pressure to the other team. So I was quite happy to see him come in early rather than sort of have that um, anxiety constantly of knowing that he was still to come in and the game's never the game's never over until he's out. Um, obviously, to see him go, it was kind of like, all right, the, ga- the game's ours to lose now. It's not that we'd, we'd just moved into... We probably had the momentum of the game. The game wasn't won by any stretch, but... Um, they still had a lot of good cricketers to come in, and they had a couple of good cricketers at the cr- at the crease. But the the momentum with, was with us, and we were on top of the game. So it was kind of like, okay, now let's stay on top. Let's let's drive it home. But um, I think what started it was getting that early wicket of Stoinis for sure. What a luxury it is for you to be to be the captain to call on Lyon, O'Keefe, Hazelwood, Abbott, and Dorsius, who's had a great year as well. I mean. There's no real weak link in the bowling attack. No, that, and that's exactly right. And I, and you can bring yourself on if you <laughs> exactly. But I think I probably to to be able to recognise that um, those five guys, and then to you know some of the guys we had sitting on the sideline at the final as well. Jackson Bird, who had a really good season. Lloyd Pope had had a fantastic season bowling his leggies. Benny Menenti had had a you know been very economic and taken some really important wickets for us bowling his off spin as well so we'd had so many guys contribute and do well and you know it's a really tough task when you've got to drop guys who are playing well Mm. um you know when you've got three guys who had bowled so well throughout the season and they're not able to make the team um you know it, it it if that doesn't show you how good your first five bowlers are in front yeah. of it, it's not like you got one guy sitting on the bench. You got three of them sitting on the bench who have all done well for you. So um, it just shows how good our five guys were that were out there bowling for us. It's a good problem to have. Very good, to, and not to mention Tom Curran as I was well. So, say, yeah, yeah, good to have. Oh, well, not you want to see him leave, but then you have Sean Abbott come back. It's just like a seamless transition. Yeah, it was a nice. You've had a couple of days to reflect. Which one is sweeter, BBL 01 or BBL 09? Well, it's a it's a really hard thing to compare. Just I'm at completely different stages of my life. So, you know, as a 
as a young man coming through BBL 01, I think I partied and celebrated a lot harder than what <laughs> I did for BBL 09. Um, you know, now being a, a father and a and a husband, it's um, you know, I don't think we left the change room, so we, you know, it's not like we're out trying to find somewhere a nightclub somewhere to continue partying until all hours. We just we had a lock in and. Um, and then the next day we had lunch somewhere and sort of, you know, welcomed everyone within the club and the administration to be a part of, you know, s- you know everything that they've worked for as well, not just the players. So it's, I think it's really nice to experience that. Um, yeah, two very different experiences for me. You know, obviously one of them I was the young punk in the team, um, you know, f- learning my trade and then the, this one I was, you know, the one of the elder sort of more experienced guys in the team old bloke (laughs) and the you know captain of the team so it's it's very fulfilling when when you are a a leader within a an association or a club that that does have that success but um you know that i think that first bbl also gave me a lot of belief and confidence to know that we can do it again um and to know that i was good enough to to do it again so I don't know which one's more important, but two very different feelings, that's for sure. I reckon one person that's maybe been overlooked a little bit throughout these past couple of years has been the coach, Greg Shipper. I mean, you look at his coaching CV, the amount of domestic titles he's won for both Victoria and basically any other team he's coached is phenomenal. Um, what does he bring to the team? What's his biggest strength as a coach? I think his, um, his experience and... <laughs> Uh, it's such a word that, and people often say, oh, you can't buy experience on a shelf. But just because you've played games or just because you've coached games doesn't mean you play and coach with the experience of all those games you have. Um, you know, he, he actually learns. He continues to learn. Um, he makes adjustments from game to game. Um, you know, and I would say he's, he's a very different coach now to what he was five years ago and... He's a very. He was a very different coach five years ago to what he was ten years ago, um, and he just continued to evolve as a person um, and as a coach. And I think the way he manages personalities and the way he manages people um, and creates environments around the cricket teams he's around, um, he, he finds things to relate to with all of his players. So all of his players feel like they have a connection with him, which I think is really important. Um, and he's is someone you can trust as a player you feel like you you know he wants the best for you there's no agenda there um which again is just so important um you know he's not doing it because he needs it Uh, as you said he's you know he's a very successful um coach and has been doing it for a long time so he's doing it because he loves it he enjoys it um and he and he loves seeing guys do well he loves seeing guys develop off the field and develop as cricketers one thing about the bbl seems to be an annual thing now um, about the season being too long there's too many games uh it drags on what's your stance on it i mean you can't be too upset because you won the, t- the title but it's it got a little bit shorter from last year same number of games and in fact more games because of the new final systems but what do you think how do you see the, the state of the bbl uh, look, I think it's we're still in a slight adjustment period of um, of what the BBL is. You know, I think initially it was a bit of a festival. Um, you know, the first couple of BBLs where you know the families could pick one or two games to come to in a season, and those games would be really packed out. Um, 
and it was a bit more of a sort of, uh, you know, let's go out and see, you know, the, the BBLs in town, you know, for f- sort of four weeks where, um, you know, I, I think we're trying to get it to evolve into a competition or a league rather than, you know, something that's in town for a few weeks. Um, and I think in that transition, um, you, you might find it hard until, you you know, you've instead of just having your your family fan base you have both your family fan base and your fanatics you know the guys who follow a team you know your fans that have really aligned with the team and um you know love not only the club and what the club stands for but the players and you know what the players are about within that club so um you know maybe once you know we start the the bbl starts to see a little bit of more of that sort of you know the big fan fanatic fan base um that's when it might not feel like the tournament goes as long um, and we start seeing those more consistent crowds throughout the year. But whether that happens or not, you know, I I have no idea. I don't know. I can't predict the future. Um, But I know that there's still, you know, for us to have a sold-out crowd in the final, I know not everyone turned up, but the tickets sold out in two or three days. So, you know, there's still a lot of interest there um, come finals time. it, in terms of scheduling, it was very busy um, this year. To I think it was shortened by a week or two with, as you mentioned, two extra games in the full season. So I think physically and mentally it was a lot tougher on the players um, and maybe something the players maybe didn't consider last season when we were saying it was too long because, um, you know, especially... And, you know, the Sydney teams probably have it a bit easier than other teams and so do the Melbourne teams because we are major ports and we've got direct flights everywhere um, as well as one typical, like, you know, one extra game where we don't have to travel away because, you know, we play the Thunder in Sydney and Melbourne play... One of the Melbourne plays the other Melbourne team in Melbourne. So... You know, teams like Perth and Hobart who uh, – Hobart have two flights to a lot of destinations. Perth, you know, flying across the country to a lot of, a, a lot of destinations. Um, you know, how they coped with travelling and playing and to and from, you know, back-to-back games. Um, you know, I think in our first five games we went – we had Sydney – Alice Springs, Sydney, Perth, Sydney, sort of within sort of nine or ten days. And I just felt that wasn't sustainable. Um, there was no way. I, luckily, we, it did get easier for us in the next sort of nine or ten days. But that first, you know, five games in sort of ten or eleven days there and the amount of travel that we had, um, there was no training in between. It was just trying to freshen up, get back, like try and get your body and your mind back into a state where you're ready to play cricket again um, because you were just basically playing, hopping on a plane, playing the next day, hopping on a plane, playing the next day. So, um, you know, it's not something that I think can, um, you know, I'd I'd love to be able to have a conversation to those guys who did that almost the whole season, um, you know, and the guys from the Scorchers and the the Hurricanes. But... uh, maybe it's a few more rest days or I don't know what it looks like, but I I definitely felt like that was, you know, that schedule was jam-packed this year. It was tight. Yeah, it must be tough because you kind of want to have home blocks, don't you? So you're in the same space for a week. But then if you've got four home games in eight days or something, then the crowds aren't going to all come up. I mean, the scheduling is is just some sort of scientific art that 
I don't think it's ever going to be mastered. No, and that's right. And I think all those things have been considered as well. So there's there's no perfect answer either for the players or, or for the fans because usually what's best for the players, as you said, is those, you know, going on a on a you know where you get sort of four home games in a row. But unfortunately, when you've got four home games back to back to back, then you know the they're sport for the fans are sport for choice as to which games to come to and they're not going to a lot of the time they're not going to come to two games in three days um, but they might come to two games across two weeks or two games across a week so um, you know it makes a lot of sense as to why they're doing it that way it, I think maybe um, you know a, a couple more days in between games if we can stretch that season out maybe just four or five more days um, just so we could have a few less back-to-back days um, would be ideal. But then, unfortunately, it, it does turn the season into a long one like we had last year. So I don't know if there's a middle ground somewhere or whether we lose a game somewhere. I, I don't know. Um, but, you know, thankfully, I'm not the person that needs to make those decisions because they're tough ones. Nor me. They're way above my pay grade. I think it's another thing is, is adjustment. You know, the BBL took a little while to get to the state it was and then it had a great year in 16, 17, I think. Then they brought more games in. So it just takes a little while to adjust at each phase. Yeah. Uh, everyone wants everything to happen so quickly now, but it's got to give a bit of time. Um, finally, uh, what was it like to have Steve Smith around? Then do you want him back next year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Is, this the, is that the most obvious question yeah, you've ever been Yeah, it is asked? very obvious. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to have him back. We'd love to have all three of them back, um, and Starkey for that matter. But uh, and and it's not just because of their cricket. Like the best thing about all three of them is when they come back. There's so much input and so much buy-in from them. They're so good to have around the squad. Um, they make my job a lot easier. Um, not just because I can, you know, I know they're going to be able to do things calmly and well under pressure and. They're fantastic cricketers, but they just lead. They just do the right thing. Um, you don't. You, you, there's no need for conversations about you know what what our values or what we're about as a team or as a club because that, they already live them all um, and they know them and they buy in um, and they're they're just fantastic. I actually speechless as to how good it was to have. Uh, Steve back around um, how much how good it was for all of our guys to see him playing cricket with a smile on his face and you know to see him relax at training and muck around with all of our younger players and just joke around and sort of you know take the mickey out of people and have the mickey taken out of him and him laughing about it it's just it's just really important for all of our young cricketers to see, you know, although he's averaging 65 in test cricket, he's just a human being like everyone else and, and a bloody good one. So it was so good for us to have him um, and, and, and Josh and Nathan as well around because, you know, they're, they're all the same. And it's the I've said it a lot about the Australian bowling attack, um, you know, Mitchell Stark, Pat Cummins, Josh Hazelwood and Nathan Lyon that – no matter how many wickets they take, their their greatest achievement will be the people they are and how kind they are to everyone. Um, you know, I think despite all the wickets they've taken together as a group, they've they're just such good people. Um, you know, and it's something they can all they can all be proud of. Fortunately for us mortals, Steve Smith is a terrible singer. Isn't so he just? He's no good. Nah. And I take it from a bad singer myself, so you know I can recognise it. So. 
Is there one little chink in Steve Smith's armour? Oh, that's definitely it. He definitely fancies himself. I've seen him over the last few years starting to take his guitar on tour and yep. start tries to th- and, he, and he pulls that love face as well, like he's trying <laughs> to serenade you when he's playing the guitar. But no, good luck to him. Uh, uh, you know what? The crazy thing is, I reckon he'll work that hard at it. He'll become good at it one day. Don't say that. <laughs> BBL's done. Forget about that. Sheffield Shield is back on. Four games left in the season and the final. The Blues, five wins from six games to start the season. Way out ahead in first place with Western Australia, Queensland, South Australia, Tasmania and Victoria rounding out the table. Um, you guys you guys made the final. Is it easy as that? I don't know. I, I haven't... I, I, it's really hard to... You know, I was looking the, at it and I think... Because you're still going to get bonus points, right? Unless yeah, you get rolled for... Maybe. Well, it's going <laughs> to take an extraordinary collapse. Yeah. But uh, how do you go into... Because I was thinking like the Stars, they sealed up the minor premiership after 10 games and then they lost a bit of momentum losing the last yeah. three and then the semi-final to you guys. Uh, how do you guys stay motivated and don't lose that momentum if you do wrap up the final with a couple of games to go? Well, I think um, the big thing is, I think I touched touched on it with, um, you know, how Tim's sort of, how he's handled things in the media um, and, and tried not to focus on winning as the number one thing. Um, and we've done a similar thing over the, you know, last few years here at New South Wales cricket and, and even at the Sixers as well as sort of to focus more on improving um, and our development as people and as cricketers um, so that we're individually we're always trying to be better cricketers. That's that's a given. We're, we're professional cricketers. We know the outcomes of what happens if you don't play well. Um, you know, it's, it is cutthroat, but if you can if you can enjoy it on the, you know, and, and just have some things ticking over in the background, you know, the same sort of things, whether you win games or you lose games, you're not reliant on the result to give you the satisfaction. You're, you're relying on, you know, um, did, did I go about my processes the right way? Um, and your self-reflection's not on the win or the loss. It's actually on how you played, your decisions while you played, um, what could you do better next game um, and, and those types of things rather than solely on win-loss. Uh, I didn't score runs, I did score runs, I took wickets, I didn't take wickets. It's, I think cricket um, in, in your self-reflection and your analysis has to be a lot deeper than that. Otherwise, you'll just, you might plateau and you might make it for a little bit. But, um, you know, if you, as you say, if you're, like, if you're out ahead and you, you start to lose motivation as to what you're trying to achieve. But if you know that you're just trying to get better and better and improve as a cricketer, improve as a person, then that stays constant whether you've won the last game or you lost the last game or you're coming last or you're coming first. It's something that you can always continue to work on. So I don't think we need to change too much as to what we're doing in the background. Um, I think if we can keep, as I said, our processes moving you know, in the same direction that they have been, um, the, the only way that things can go pear-shaped is if we go away from that and, then, or, and if we don't match the performances um, with, you know, with the processes that we have been doing in the first half of the year. So um, if we can stay on top of that, then you know, I, I don't think we'll have any problems going into the back end of the Shield season. Geez, you are an old bloke. Some of this, these experience coming through now. <laughs> um, there was always talk about uh, seam bowling all rounders going to that Bangladesh tour in the winter. Um, 
how you feeling? You're going to bowl a bit more in these next three games because you've also got the Lions game down in Melbourne. Yeah, um, I th- I'll, I'll be I'll be ready to bowl in any game that Nevy needs me to bowl. Luckily, in the A game, I've I've um, I've got the captaincy, so I'll be able to bowl myself uh, maybe. At opportune times, Sammy, whenever. Yeah. <laughs> that with the Duke's ball might swing a bit more. Yeah, um, but you know, I know Marcus is in. Is um, will be wanting a bowl in that game as well, and you know, he's a he's a very good mate of mine. So I'll make sure that um, you know everyone that plays that game has a great opportunity to to again not only put their name forward for for playing cricket for Australia, but you know to to just enjoy the game and enjoy the experience of playing for an Australia A. And, you know, I think to just recognise it, that's a, that's a really good cricket team to be a part of. I sort of had a look at the team and I was like, there's a lot of fantastic cricketers in that team. So, um, you know, that's really exciting as well to see that, you know, they've, they've picked such a strong team. Um, that's a genuine second level, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really good um, cricket team. And I, I think maybe at times in years gone by, um, Definitely not that first one. That was a strong Australia A team as well in Perth. But, um, you know, if, so we've sort of been guilty of not always picking our best, next best Australia A team. But, um, you know, there's a lot of good cricketers in that team. And, I'm, you know, I'm very lucky to be and fortunate that, you know, I'm a part of it as well. You're not going to have uh, Stark, Hazelwood or Cummins uh, for the rest of the Shield comp. So who are you excited to see step up in their place? Um, I think we're also going to be missing Sean Abbott, who's been a huge oh, yeah. part of that first half of the season. But it just leaves a great opportunity for Harry Conway, I think, who's um, he, he took a tenfer and got dropped. He took a tenfer at the Gabba this year and got dropped the next game because we had, you know, uh, Aussie guy coming back to play and we couldn't drop Sean and Trent because they'd been so successful over the last 12 months. And... And then the very next game, he comes back to play for us. He takes another fifer, and he, there's actually been games where Harry's almost outbowled some of the Australian guys when they've been in the team. And um, I'm just excited to see him get four games straight. Um, he's been such a good find for us over the last 18 months. Well, not a good find. He's been, I mean, he's been improving in the background for five years. So to see him start getting those results, I think, is fantastic. Um, I think the you know. Not only Andre as the bowling coach, but the old bowling coach of Jeff Lawson, who you know did a, a lot of work with him to to get those changes in place to to see him start doing those um, you know taking those wickets and having that success that he's having now, um, and and you can never take the credit away from the player either. I know you've you've got to be resilient to be able to keep bouncing back and to keep coming and to keep you know stepping up and stepping forward and putting yourself out there and. Um, you know he's done that very well, and he's t- he's turned himself into a very consistent first-class bowler. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him, you know, lead our bowling attack around. Obviously with with um, Trent Copeland as well, um, in with in the seam ranks. But I mean, if they can't get the job done with the seam up, we've also we've also got Nathan Lyon and Steve O'Keefe to start turning. You know, t- we can turn it each way. So I mean, we're still pretty lucky in that sense that. We're, we do have opportunities to win games and take wickets with both, you know, seam and spin. Just on Conway, he's a character. Have you got a favourite Conway story? Because I've heard things like he, he turns up, to, he used to turn up to training back when he was a kid without a bat or shoes or things like that. <laughs> um, there's just so many stories for Harry that you struggle to you struggle to bring them all to front of mind, um, and you get a little bit muddled up with. 
you know, which ones are the best ones. Um, but that is a true story. He, I'm pretty sure he turned up to training one day with his shoe bag only and only one shoe in the shoe bag. <laughs> um, so, uh, like, he, he definitely is a character. Um, but he's not, it's not like he's a character who, um, who gets on, like, he, he's not polarising at all for his teammates. He's a, he's a, he's a merger, he's a uniter of people, you know, he's a, he's a guy that brings a group together. He's the glue. He, yeah, he, he's inclusive, um, so he's just, it's, it's so good to have in a team, um. He, it may be playing against him if you take him the wrong way. You can maybe find him polarising, but he doesn't do it to offend the opposition. He does it to try and make his own teammates just laugh at, you know, how eccentric he is on the field. Um, so, uh, you know, I hope that the opposition players can, you know, can take that in, you know, for, you know, water off a duck's back if he's, you know, doing, you know, some crazy celebrations like that we've seen him do on the cricket field a few times but I think it's just part and parcel of him trying to have a good time and trying to make people laugh last question who's the biggest threat to the Blues in the, in the Shield comp um, I, I, look I would say in, in a Shield comp I, I just think it's hard to go past Victoria I know at the Mate, moment they've got no wins there on nine points I know 14 points. You said in a shield comp. You didn't say in this shield comp. Okay. <laughs> How about this shield comp? Because you're playing them next Yeah. on Friday at the SCG. But, well, uh, then they're our next threat. Okay. <laughs> well, how about potential final opponents? Let's rule out Victoria. It's going to take some kind of miracle for them mm. to get in there. But uh, who do you think will be the, the big challenges for the title this year? Yeah. Well, I think um, Queensland have been playing some good cricket and, and WA as well they've been you know playing some some really good cricket i think queensland have done it over you know for quite some time now they've um you know they've been doing they've been doing really well and had some you know some of you know, guys like nessa and steckity have been really consistent performers for them for a long time are you um, just saying that because they're in the a team sorry you just saying that because <laughs> they're in the a team well they deserve to be obviously <laughs> um you know i think you know I, I, i'm a big fan of what ness does um yeah, he just keeps coming. He he challenges the batter's defence, and he keeps coming and he keeps coming. Um, it's not just one or two spells; it's all day and into the next day if he has to, which is exactly why he's starting to. You know, we saw him, you know, carry the drinks for Australia a few times in in these home tests as the twelfth and thirteenth man, and and now obviously selections in Australia A and on the Ashes tour as well. Um, recently and not surprised to see him you know getting that recognition after you know the last sort of well not not 12 or probably 30 months of just consistent performance um which comes when you know you go about the, his business like he does do you still spend your, your downtime just listening to some spotify <laughs> uh that's you know listening to music's always been a big love of mine so definitely um you know still listening to music yeah thanks sammy <laughs> well mate appreciate it Congrats again on the BBL and all the best for the rest of the season. Cheers, mate. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by MasterCard. We'll be back next week to preview the Women's T20 World Cup. So until then, for all your live scores, breaking news and video highlights, head to cricket.com.au and the CA Live app.